Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. My name is Steve Garcia. I'm the lead pastor here, and I want to welcome all of you to Sunrise Church, those of you here live at our Rialto campus, as well as all of you who are watching online. If you brought some tissues with you today, you might want to look down the aisle and see if anybody's in need and go ahead and share them. It's been an emotional service already, but God is good, and we're so glad to have the opportunity to worship together. Hey, if this is your first time and I've never gotten a chance to to meet you, I'd love that privilege. I'll be out in the courtyard afterwards and would love to be able to shake your hand or give you a fist bump and welcome you to Sunrise Church. You know, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and kids, we were out driving about, and we saw a line of cars forming uh, on the side of the road to, to pull off into this kind of random field. And we thought, what in the world's happening on a Saturday morning that's attracting this much attention? So just out of pure curiosity, we got in the line of cars just to kind of find out what was going on. Turns out it was a Renaissance festival. Anybody ever been to one of these? Renaissance? <laughs> yeah, I hadn't either. Um, and so we looked at each other and thought, well, we've got nothing else to do today. Hey, let's go for it. So we, we pull into the parking lot, and I very quickly realize that my family is very much in the minority as someone who is wearing plain clothes. The overwhelming majority came to the Renaissance Festival dressed for the part. I mean, you, we're looking around, and we're seeing Vikings and gypsies and, I got to say, wolves and other people dressed as 14th century Europeans. I got to say, this is a little out of my box. I typically don't attend events where adults are carrying jousting spears. <laughs> so it was a little bit different for me. And it wasn't just the, the outfit. It was the, it was the whole persona. The lady at the admissions counter is, you know, talking to me in old English. You know, around each corner, there's... there's Men yelling drinking songs and women shrieking and flutes and bagpipes. I mean, it's a little terrifying, to be honest. Um, but you know what I was reminded of was just how much a person's persona changes based on their outfit. Like my wife and I were just so fascinated by this crowd at the Renaissance Festival. Like, we're saying, like, you see that guy over there with that wizard robe? That's somebody's dentist. <laughs> you know? But, but, his, but his, whole, his whole demeanor changed with this new, this new outfit. You've seen this with kids before, right? Put a, put a fancy dress on a little girl. You know, she puts her hand on her hip and starts walking like she's on the runway, right? Or, or put a little boy in a ninja costume. Suddenly he knows karate. He's doing high-flying kicks off the couch. You know, we see this with adults too. You know, when you get a new outfit that makes you feel good, you walk into a room with a different level of confidence. And in the, in the New Testament book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, said that, Followers of Jesus need to get a new persona too based on their outfit. Only he's not talking about a physical one, but a spiritual one. Let's look at his words in Ephesians 6, 12 and how he explained it. He said this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. There's the outfit. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So Paul said the first thing we need to know is we are in a spiritual battle. Behind the scenes, there is an enemy, the devil, and what we think we're battling is in the physical realm, but there's a whole spiritual aspect to this that we have to wake up to. And so if we're going to be in the spiritual battle, we have to have the right spiritual outfit, the armor of God. And so he lists these different pieces, the belt of truth. Truth is a person. His name is Jesus Christ, the only perfect person who ever lived. And so wearing the belt of truth is following and obeying the way of Jesus. The breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate protects the most vital organ of the body, the heart. It's by putting on the breastplate, you are guarding your heart from unrighteousness and also empowered to live righteously. The boots of peace. Boots Boots were needed to traverse over harsh landscape. And when you place your faith in Jesus, you receive peace with God. And when you put on the boots, you could take that peace with you wherever you go. The shield of faith, this is what extinguishes the fiery arrows of the enemy. It's especially effective when used in unison with other soldiers on the battlefield. And placing your faith in Jesus nullifies the enemy attack. The helmet of salvation is what we talked about last week. The helmet protects our heads physically, but it protects our minds spiritually. Because we know that half the battles fought between our ears. And Jesus laid down his life to save us. And often that salvation is from ourselves and our constant cycle of negative and destructive thinking. We're going to talk about the sword of the Spirit today. And then next week we're going to wrap up the message series by talking about a specific battle strategy. Now the Apostle Paul said, put on the full armor of God. But each week we've been breaking down the pieces to show their significance when it comes to spiritual warfare. But it's only when we have all of these working together that we are truly battle ready. So today we're going to focus on the sword. So the context that Ephesians was written in is that the Apostle Paul was chained to a Roman guard, which meant day and night he was looking at this full armor. And he would have undoubtedly seen the Roman sword. Roman soldiers used what was called a gladius. It was smaller than uh, the average sword, but larger than a dagger. In fact, when I was at the Renaissance Festival, I actually found one, and so I held it in my hands and asked my wife to take a picture of me. Uh, Here it is right here. Um, (laughs) Why are you laughing? Camera, Camera adds 20 pounds of muscle. But that gives you kind of an idea of the size of it. But, but here's what the gladius looks like up close. Uh, you could see that it's, it's a little bit smaller. It's lightweight. And Roman soldiers used it to master the art of close combat. This gladius was razor sharp on both edges, which meant they could slice left and right. And the tip was so deadly sharp, it could be thrust into the enemy and pierce the heart immediately. Roman soldiers trained and worked on this up-close combat, so much so that there were stories of other armies that would come across the carnage of dead bodies left by these Roman soldiers and their use of the gladius. They'd see arms dismembered and bodies cut up, and they were terrified to ever come across a Roman soldier. And the apostle Paul was likely looking over at this gladius and thinking, you know, followers of Jesus got a sword like that too. It's called the Word of God. He literally said it that way. Let's reread Ephesians 6.17. 
He said, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, there's only one other place in the Bible where the Word of God is described as a sword. It's found in the New Testament book of Hebrews. I want to read that verse to you. It's Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. A sword sharp on both sides that can cut straight to the heart. That sounds exactly like what Paul was saying in Ephesians 6. In fact, many people think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. We can't know for sure because the author doesn't identify himself. But the idea is that the word of God is so sharp, it could cut past all of the surface stuff real quick and get quite literally to the heart of the matter. Now, it says the word of God is like a sword. Paul said, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Both passages, Ephesians 6 and Hebrews 4, slightly different verbiage, but the same meaning, that there's, there's something about this Word of God. What is the Word of God? The Word of God is any word spoken by God. You and I today have the benefit of having the complete Word of God, a collection of all of the teachings of God spoken through human agents. The Apostle Paul would have only had access to the Old Testament because the New Testament was still being written. The New Testament was ushered in by Jesus, who claimed to be God. He would tell people, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus claimed full divinity, which meant the words of Jesus were also the Word of God. In fact, Jesus himself said this in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Boy, isn't that the truth? Because here we are thousands of years later, and we're still looking at the words of Jesus, still looking at the word of God. And efforts have been made throughout history to eradicate the word of God, to eradicate the words of Jesus, even by the apostle Paul himself, who was once an enemy of Christ. But the Word of God pierced his heart back then, and it's still piercing hearts today. And Paul said, this weapon, this sword, is available to use in battle today. Now, I've never been in a combat situation. But I know that there are people who attend our church who have served in the military or are currently serving in the military who have seen combat and lived to tell about it. I've never been anywhere close to combat, but if I ever mountain to be a mile away, I want to be as far from the battle as possible. And I think that's how a lot of us view the battles in our lives, too. We don't want any of them. But if we have to have them, we want to be as far away as possible. But I think you know life doesn't work that way. But I think you know is all that way. You know that the battle is all too close and personal. And I know this because I've spoken with many of you personally, and I read and pray over every single prayer request that comes through. And I know the kind of battles that people are facing. There are people who are battling cancer, divorce, custody situations, depression, loneliness, embarrassment, feeling like they should be further along in life than where they are right now. And you know those, those battles aren't being waged on some distant hill far away. They're right 
up close and personal and circled around you, and you're standing right in the middle. That's the bad news. The good news is that Paul says we have a weapon that could help us fight our way right out of the battle, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So how do I use this sword in battle and helping me in my day-to-day? Well, I want to give you a couple of practical ways you can use this sword. So if you're taking notes, jot these down. Here's the first one. Number one, how to use the sword of the Spirit? Prioritize God's Word. What does prioritize mean? It means to set time aside intentionally. It means to reorient your schedule around that which is most important. Jesus prioritized God's Word in his life often. If you ever study his life, you see he often God's Word. And this morning, I want praying and studying and reading God's Word. And this morning, I want to take a look at an experience in which Jesus was in an up-close battle and how he used the sword of the Spirit. So if you have a Bible or a device with a Bible on it, make your way over to the New Testament book of Matthew chapter 4. This is where we're going to spend the majority of our time today looking at Jesus as our example. So Matthew chapter 4 is where we will be. Read along with me starting in verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Matthew 4 begins with Jesus going into the wilderness on purpose. He didn't wander into the wilderness. He went there intentionally. In fact, it says he was led by the Spirit. If you notice that word Spirit is capitalized. It's the same word Paul used in Ephesians 6, the sword of the Spirit. That's as in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. When you pray to place your faith in Jesus Christ, you receive God's Spirit to guide you. And to be led by the Spirit means you're not led by your appetites, you're not led by your instincts, you're not led by your sinful desires, but that you are led by God working in you, aligning your life to His purposes. Well, how will you know what God wants for you if you don't prioritize God's Word? You're not going to be led by the Spirit apart from God's Word. It's not like a little cloud floats out of heaven and floats in front of you. You know, I'm just going to follow this. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit. No, the Spirit testifies to the truth. And so if you want to know what it looks like to align your life to God, you start with His Word, and then His Spirit will help lead you in that direction. So Jesus was already somebody who prioritized this. And He went into the wilderness for a reason, to get away from all of the noise and the distraction so He could intentionally spend time with God. And this is what you and I need to do, especially if we're in a battle. we gotta, we got to eliminate the noise and the distraction and prioritize our intake of God's Word. Pray, study, meditate. We've got to be the most non-meditative culture in the history of human civilization. I'm just as guilty. I mean, we live such fast-paced, distracted lives How many of us really meditate on anything? It's kind of like this. Let's just say that you're craving just a really good cup of tea, just something warm and and, and comforting. And so you have your favorite mug, and it's filled with hot water. And you got your tea bag. And you touch it in the water for a second, pull it out. Oh, man, that's some good tea. Oh, I'm just just really getting the flavor, you know, the orange and and the ginger. Mm, Man, that is such good tea. Come on, 
you know you got to let it steep. And yet this is how some of us are when it comes to the word of God. God, I'm in a battle right now. I need some help. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, I can go into battle now. There we go. I got my word in. Man, you've got to let it steep. You know, so many of us have a Bible app on our phones. All we have to do is literally move our thumbs one centimeter to the left and touch. And we're gripping the sword of the Spirit by its handle. But yet, what do so many of us choose to do? Just stay in the fast pace and just stay in the distraction. Let's see what's happening in the news today. Okay, another mass shooting. All right, inflation going up. Russia is taking more ground from Ukraine, blah, blah, blah. Ooh, Kim Kardashian's daughter was at Fashion Week in Paris. Let's read this. Uh, no, that's boring. Let's go to social media. Swipe, swipe, swipe. They're cute. He's cute. She's cute. That dog is cute. That house is cute. Swipe, swipe, scroll, scroll. I'm bored. What else could I do? And yet, the word of God is, is, is a weapon at our disposal, but how many of us are actually prioritizing it in our lives? Jesus intentionally went into the wilderness for this purpose. And what did he do when he got there? Look at verse 2. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. He went there to fast. You know, in, in Modern times, fasting has become kind of a popular way to diet. But, but biblically, fasting is a way of denying yourself physically of food so that you could focus your heart more on spiritual things. And sometimes I think we confuse a fast with a fast pass. Now, if, any, if you were to go to any of the many theme parks here in Southern California for a little bit of extra money, you could buy a fast pass. And that'll put you to the front of the line so that you can get on the rides quicker. And I think this is how many of us think fasting is, that if I deny myself some food, I'll put my request at the front of the line so that God will answer mine first. Listen, that's not what fasting is. Fasting is not to get God to hear me. Fasting is to get me to hear God. And that's what Jesus was doing. He went into the wilderness to hear from the Father He's coming out of his baptism in the Jordan River, and he had vital ministry ahead of him. And so he spent 40 days in the wilderness, prioritizing time with God, praying, fasting, so that he could hear from the Father, what do you have for me next? That's what it means to, to steep in this. You know that for a good cup of tea, it takes time. The, the dry tea leaves need to dissolve and diffuse, and, and it takes a little bit of time, but the water starts to change color. The flavor changes. The entire drink is transformed. And that's what Jesus was doing in this wilderness. He was prioritizing time with God. He was letting it steep. But he wasn't the only one in that wilderness. Look at verse 3. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, and there is no indication from Scripture that his temptation began at the end of those 40 days. In fact, it likely happened for the duration of the 40 days. It just intensified at the end. Satan saved his best schemes for the end when Jesus was most hungry. Come on, turn those dusty old stones to bread. And that leads us to 
our second point of how to use the sword of the Spirit. Number one, prioritize God's Word. Number two, memorize God's Word. Commit God's Word to memory. This, too, is something Jesus did. So as the tempter is coming at him, trying to to get him to stop relying on the Father. You know you're the Son of God. You don't have to wait on God's provision. You could take matters into your own hands. Jesus said this in verse 4. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He told Satan, Listen, you're not going to drive a wedge between me and the Father. I'm not going to use my divinity for personal gain. I'm going to wait on God to meet my needs. And there's, there's no indication from Scripture that Satan came and tempted him, and Jesus said, hang on, let me, let me look through these scrolls of Scripture that I brought, and I'm going to find the best verse I can to try to come back at you. Uh, oh, here's one. No, he committed that to memory. It came out of a time in which he has prioritized God's Word, and he spent time memorizing it. The Roman soldiers spent a lot of time with that gladius on how to use it effectively in combat. They'd start with wooden swords training against each other, and then they'd move up to the sharp swords. And what they were working on was the deadly counterattack. They'd block with their shield and then quickly pull out that gladius and strike back. Memorizing scripture is a counterattack. When the tempter comes at you, Being able to quote scripture is a powerful way to counterattack. Do you memorize any of God's word? I want to do a little exercise right now. I want you to right now think about some scripture that you've committed to memory. Bring it to your mind, and I want you to say it out loud. Three, two, one, go. Little quiet in here. Okay, some of you came ready. Some of you had that sword ready. Okay, trust in the Lord. You know, you, you, got, you got your thing out. But for some of you, it's like, ah, oh, man. Uh, you try to quote scripture, but it's like a mishmash of like song lyrics and Bible verses and stuff your grandmother used to say. You know, it's like 3 Corinthians uh, 6.27, silent night, holy night, for God so loved the world that cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> Listen, the reality is this, that memorizing Scripture is something that can be powerful in our lives if we put some effort into it. I once heard a pastor years ago who challenged us to memorize at least one verse of Scripture for every year you've been alive. For me, that's easy. I only have to come up with 29 verses. But for some of you, that's a lot more. 30, 40, 50 60, 70, 80 verses. Some of you are like, Pastor, uh, you know, my memory's not that great. I don't buy it. Your memory is like any muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. Jesus memorized scripture and used it as a counterattack. Not once, not twice, but three times. The first was tempting Jesus to forego dependence on the Father. And Jesus came right back with that counterattack, man shall not live by bread alone. Here's the next attack, Matthew 4, 5 and 6. It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. 
If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's the attack. He wanted Jesus to be a celebrity. Hey, come on, throw yourself down. God will, God will protect you. That was the attack. Here's the counterattack, verse 7. Jesus answered him, it's also written, do not put your Lord, the Lord your God to the test. So Satan attacks again. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. He was trying to get Jesus to become king without having to die. That was the attack. That was the temptation. But here comes Jesus with that sword and the counterattack. Verse 10, Jesus said, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And after the devil took three slices of the sword of the Spirit, this is how he responded, verse 11, Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. This is the power of memorized Scripture in your life and how you could use it in battle. And here's one of the cool things about memorizing Scripture is when you start to commit it to memory, you might not even realize it's in there, and God helps you on the battlefield by bringing it back out. I love Jesus' words in John 14, 26. He said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Isn't that cool? You see, when you hide God's word in your heart, when you memorize God's word, often he'll draw it right back out of you with the power of the spirit working in you to bring it forward into battle. But if you've never memorized scripture, there's nothing for him to draw from. You're not coming at the enemy with a sword. You're coming at him with a butter knife. Enemy's looking at you like, what are you, trying to attack me or make me a sandwich? You know, we have the sword of the spirit. And so when you prioritize God's word, that gets you in a place where you can memorize God's word. These are extremely effective ways to use this sword. Jesus did it. I think we should too. Number one, prioritize God's word. Number two, memorize God's word. Here's the third, vocalize God's word. I think there is unique power in speaking God's word out loud. This is what Jesus did. Again, let's look to, to his temptation with Satan. It says in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word of the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 7, Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Matthew 4, 10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus vocalized scripture in all three instances. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that, that you speak things into existence. You know, some, some of you have heard of this, like a, the name it and claim it movement. I think you know that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about vocalizing the word of God. Sometimes I need to hear it come off of my own lips and back into my own ears. You've heard enough people preach to you. It's time for you to preach to you by vocalizing God's word. Now, here's what's fascinating. Jesus vocalized God's word three times when it came to rebuffing the enemy. But here's the thing. Did you, did you notice that Satan also memorized Scripture and that Satan also vocalized it? In case you missed it, this is what it said in, in Matthew 4, 
chapter 6. Satan said this, if you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He tried to use it against Jesus. That's actual scripture he quoted. That comes from Psalm 91. Now, he left out all those verses in Psalm 91 that talk about dwelling in God, trusting in God, finding your shelter in God. He left those out. And instead, what he did was he quoted it in such a way to make it a blanket statement. You can live life recklessly however you want, and God will always come in and save the day. And you know, the reality is that we can actually quote Scripture for our own selfish means. People do it all the time. Here's some of the most common misquoted or overquoted scriptures that I've heard. Hey, don't judge lest ye be judged. Anybody ever drop that one on you? And you're like, okay, so we're talking in King James language now? Okay. Uh, translation, you need to agree with every one of my choices, and if you disagree, you're guilty of being judgmental. Or this one, the Bible says we're supposed to love everyone. Translation, you need to agree with every one of my choices, and if you disagree, you're guilty of not being loving. Or this one, I can do all things through Christ. <laughs> How many athletes have grabbed a hold of this scripture to inure some sort of divine benefit to help them win the game? I can do all things through Christ. Completely missing the context that that verse is talking about, living a life of contentment. You see, we could actually quote scripture for selfish gain. That's what the devil did. But see, he had the sword. What he did not have is the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit cuts me long before it ever cuts you. And so whenever I'm, I'm vocalizing scripture, I'm not using it as an attack. The first question I ought to be saying is, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you teaching me? What are you trying to refine in me? And then... I could use this to fight against the enemy, not to try to justify some kind of sinful behavior. That's what the enemy tried to do. But Jesus vocalized Scripture as a means of attacking and, and using its power out loud. I think this is a discipline we ought to work more on. This is something I'm trying to work on in my personal life of, of actually vocalizing God's Word. And I think when you've got some scripture memorized, it's especially effective. And if you need a verse to start with, here's a great one. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That's a great verse to quote out loud. When you're feeling the temptation... You're sober, but you're kind of missing that old crew you used to party with. You're, you're single and feeling lonely and scrolling social media, looking up old flames. Or you, you travel a lot with your job, spending a lot of time in hotels and with people who you're not married to. And the temptation is fueling up. Speak it right out loud. Let it come off of your lips. No temptation has overtaken me. My God is faithful he will not let me be tempted beyond what I can bear, and he will provide a way out. God, I'm looking for the way out so that I could endure. Vocalize it. Speak it. Use it as a weapon. Preach to yourself. Amen. You know, there are some of you who've been doing such a good job with your physical health. You've been watching what you eat. You're 
dropping pounds. You're, you're looking great. You're, you're feeling great. And everything's fine. And then you go off to a restaurant. And that server comes to your table and brings you a basket of hot, buttery dinner rolls and puts it right in the middle of the table. There's steam coming off of them. And that steam is, is, is going like this, like they did in the old cartoons. Remember that? And he brings out butter of different flavors and puts it there. Now, come on. Is it that big of a deal to really have one? Look, this is, this is, a, subtle, this is a subtle example of how the enemy attacks. Does God really care? Listen, you know you. You're not just going to eat one. <laughs> you're going to finish off that whole basket. And then you're going to get to the point where you're going to say to the server, listen, you need to keep these, these, these dinner rolls coming, okay? I don't want you coming back to this table empty-handed. Just go ahead and assume I'm going to want more and just keep it coming, right? And then you look back and you feel guilty and you say, oh, I have no self-discipline. What's the point? See, Satan doesn't want you getting momentum when it comes to self-control. This is just one example of countless ones in which he comes attacking us. He wants us to forego our convictions. He wants us to forego our discipline and cause us to cave. And so when that server comes with that, that basket of dinner rolls, you speak God's word right out loud as a weapon. Man shall not live on bread alone. You take those dinner rolls and put them on somebody else's table. <laughs> Listen, it can be a powerful discipline in our lives when we are preaching the truth of God's word right back into our own ears. But here's the other thing about vocalizing God's word. It's not just a help to us personally. It can be a tremendous help to others. Do you know anybody who could use some encouragement from God's word? I find this particularly true when it comes to hardship and suffering. The best advice... The world has to give in hardship is this. Everything happens for a reason. Wow. Thank you for that incredibly vague and totally impersonal nugget of wisdom. Hey, let me write that down. Can you say that again? Everything happens for a what? Oh, for a reason. Got it. Listen, that is nothing compared to the power of the word of God, especially in hardship and suffering. Let me read to you just a couple of verses from Scripture. I want you to just... To just absorb these. Some of you just need to close your eyes and listen, especially if you're going through hard time. Listen to the power of God's word. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is with you in the pain and will be with you after the pain. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For some of you, your bodies are breaking down. But if you're in Christ, your spirit is bulking up. One more, Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. A young mom caught me after last service and said, that's what I say to myself every day when I'm with these kids. <laughs> Do not become weary in doing good. At the proper time, if I just stick with Christ, I'll see the harvest. Sometimes when you prioritize God's word, it allows you to memorize God's word so that you can vocalize God's word and help another brother or sister who might need it. Jesus himself vocalize God's word often. In fact, with his dying breaths on the cross, Jesus quoted scripture. 
He quoted Psalm 31.5, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus literally died vocalizing God's word. This is the power of God's word. You can live by it and you can die by it. But the reality is this, as effective of a weapon as the word of God is, it is only marginally effective if you don't first have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because here's the deal. You will never fully understand the word of God until you have placed your faith in the Son of God. And when you do, he opens your eyes and your understanding to receive this and live in an entirely different way. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've never placed your full trust in Jesus. And you know you better than anyone knows you. And you know there's, maybe there's something missing. Maybe you've tried to read the Bible before, but it just didn't connect. Maybe it's because you've never placed your full trust in him. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that this morning. In just a moment, I want to lead you in, in a prayer of inviting Christ into your life, confessing your sins to him and asking him to come into your life and to change you and to heal you and to forgive you and to save you. And, and some of you have never done this. I, I'm not talking about just like coming to church and tossing a few words to the man upstairs. I'm talking about giving your life to Jesus, trusting your life in his hands. So if you've never prayed to receive Christ into your life, I want to invite you to do that right now. I want to ask everybody, live and online, close your eyes right now in this moment. And I'll give you the words to say, but it's on you to pray them in faith. So if you're ready to trust Christ with your life, then I want you to repeat these words after me in the silence of your own heart. You just pray these words straight to heaven. Jesus, I place my full trust in you. Jesus, I place my full trust in you. I can't save myself. But I believe you can save me, Jesus. I confess my sins to you. And I believe you died in my place. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Change my heart. So I could live a life that pleases you. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Now, if you're somebody who prayed that prayer today, I want to encourage you to take another step. You know, if you're watching this live online right now, there's a button you can click on that says, I commit my life to Christ. Go ahead and click that on. Get those hands up. Social channels, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. There's a link you could follow that's being posted right now. For all of you in the room, as Pastor Anthony mentioned before, on your programs, you have a little perforated card. You could just tear off that bottom card, and it says on it, I said yes to Jesus. You could fill that out and you could drop that in the offering bags as they come by in just a moment. Or you could bring this to the next step table and somebody's out there ready to have that conversation with you. Again, if you're watching this on sunrisechurch.org, click that button, get those hands up, let us know that you pray to receive Christ today. And maybe you've already given your life to Jesus, but you've never grown or you're not growing. We want to help you take that next step. Here's how to do it. Grab your phone right now and text the word NEXT to 909-281-7797. One of our staff people is on the other end, and they're ready to receive that and work a plan with you to take that next step. 
Maybe it's joining a small group. We've got Rooted coming up in September. Maybe it's volunteering at the church. You just need somebody to talk to. Text NEXT to 909-281-7797. Or you could stop by the Next Step table in the lobby and say, hey, I'm ready to take my next step. I don't know what that is. They are ready to have that conversation with you. Friends, listen. Paul said that we have a weapon at our disposal in the Word of God that is powerful. This week, battles are going to come. So let's get the sword out of its sheath and actually use it. Let's prioritize God's Word. Where is the wilderness place you can get to that will minimize distractions? Meditate. Let it steep in your heart. Memorize God's Word. Start with some verses that will help you in the battle today. And then vocalize God's Word. Literally speak it out loud. Speak it out loud in your prayer time. Speak it out loud in your temptations. Speak it out loud to a brother or sister in need of encouragement. You know, just like the enemies of Rome came across the carnage of what the Roman soldiers did with that sword and got terrified, our enemy, the devil, is also terrified by this sword. Jesus used it to defeat him in up-close battle, and you can too. So this week, let's equip ourselves with the sword of the Spirit, and let's take some ground from the enemy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Why don't you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we want to first of all thank you for the fact that you didn't leave us naked and ill-equipped to face the battles of this life, that you've given us everything we need for life and godliness through your word. You sent your son Jesus to die in our place to give us the power. Thank you for not leaving us alone. So God, I pray that this week you would strengthen us. I know there are brothers and sisters in the battle who have not touched your word. God, I pray that changes today. And I pray that you help equip them so that they could start slicing and dicing their way right out of this battle. Father, I pray now as we give over our offerings, our money, our tithes, that you would multiply these financial gifts across our city, our state, our country, to the other side of the globe. Lord, this is your money to begin with anyway. You're just letting us manage it. So may we give our gifts with cheerful hearts, believing in faith and trusting in you that you're going to provide for all of our needs. Lord God, we love you. We need you. And so we pray that you would strengthen us this week. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask these things. And if you believe it in your heart, then let the church say amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word NEXT to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one -one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.